Inside Sources. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Well, the World Cup is coming to an end on Sunday. It's been a wild ride for many of the national teams from around the globe, competing for that coveted title, World Cup champion. One of the great underdog teams that had just an amazing run, really shocked the world, uh, was the team from Morocco. Uh, they went further in the series this year than uh, than any others. They bowed out uh, in the semifinals. Amazing uh, for an African nation. Uh, this team uh, was competing, and, and really an interesting thing. Now, we're not going to turn to the sports channel now. We're actually going to look at this through the lens of immigration policy. Of course we are. And the way we're going to do that, as always, we're going to bring in Eric Bain, reporter at Reason. He covers uh, economic policy, trade policy, elections, and uh, had a great piece on uh, Morocco's incredible run uh, and what it actually could mean uh, or what it actually demonstrates in terms of immigration law. Eric, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, as always. <laughs> All right. So so dive into this for us. Uh, we don't usually equate uh, a nice sports run uh, to open borders and uh, immigration law. Give us the story. What is the story of Morocco? Yeah, sure. Fascinating story with Morocco. As you said, they were the, uh, you know, the real underdog of this World Cup. They were the first African team in World Cup history to make the semifinals. They went out yesterday against France, but, uh, you know, really, I think he can hold their heads high even with that. I mean, they, they gave France uh, everything that uh, the defending champions could handle in that game. They're also just the third team from outside Europe or South America ever to reach the semifinals of the World Cup. So, I mean, this is truly a rare, surprising feat. Um, and the the other kind of interesting thing about the Moroccan team in this World Cup is that they have the most foreign-born players on their team, actually more than half their team, mm. uh, born outside of Morocco. Um, and that's uh, the, those those players are able to play for the Moroccan team because FIFA has some uh, pretty liberalized rules in terms of what national team you can play for. You don't have to be a citizen necessarily of the country uh, that you play for uh, to, to represent in the World Cup. Uh, you, you can play for a country where you were born. You can play for the country where you are a citizen, any country where you are a citizen, uh, either natural-born or naturalized. Um, and you can play for any country where either your parents or grandparents had been citizens. So uh, many players around the world actually have you know, multiple eligibilities. You have to pick one. Once you pick one, you can't move around. There's no like free agency in international <laughs> soccer. Um, none of that. But uh, but it does sort of I think it I think it makes it, it shows, I think, an example of how uh, bringing people in who, who live elsewhere, maybe people who are not necessarily maybe don't first and foremost identify as Moroccan, uh, but can actually contribute to like national pride can contribute to uh, the advancement of a country. I think that's a lesson that goes really beyond the soccer pitch. Yeah. So interesting. And uh, of course, there is the the, the question, OK, if those uh, folks are coming from around the world, is that taking native born, you know, Moroccans place? So the, we have, you can see the uh, the aller, aller, uh, the connections of all of that in terms of uh, what happens in, in terms of immigration law. Yeah, that's right. I make the point in the piece that, like, look, these these foreign born players, half the team, right, was born in another country, including a couple of the big superstars. Uh, the guy who scored the winning penalty kick in their big upset over Spain uh, was born actually in Madrid. He's, a, you know, he's a, of Moroccan descent, but uh, is a, a Spaniard by birth. Um, but he plays for the Moroccan team and helped knock out Spain in the World Cup. And uh, so you could certainly make the argument. The immigration restrictionists, I'm sure, would look at this and make the argument that he's taking the place of a Moroccan citizen's place. Right? He's taking Moroccan jobs. Uh, but uh, the, the Moroccan team would be less successful if they didn't have access to this foreign-born talent. And that's, again, that's a lesson that you can extend beyond just the soccer field. This is a lesson for the United States. It's a lesson for all countries. 
that if there are people out there who want to come and and play soccer in your country or they want to come and start a business in your country, that that contribution is beneficial uh, and uh, that we shouldn't be erecting, you know, either, you know, physical barriers or ridiculous bureaucratic barriers to that. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Yeah, and so often we see it, especially here in the United States, that often it's the the, the latter of the, those uh, items that it is the bureaucratic barriers that often present a lot of great talent uh, from coming to the U.S. or starting that new business in the U.S. Uh, and and un you know undoing or or just modernizing. I think uh, some of that immigration pieces. What are you what are you hearing? Uh, uh, in terms of any kind of movement as we look towards, obviously nothing's going to happen over the next week because they're going to they're going to play omnibus uh, versus continuing resolution scrabble for the next yep. uh, few days. Uh, but in the new Congress, anything on the horizon there uh, that you're uh, looking at or seeing in terms of immigration policy? I guess I would say hope springs eternal on that front, <laughs> but it's just going to be incredibly difficult. I will say that I was at an event uh, just uh, yesterday, actually, with former Vice President Mike Pence uh, in D.C., um, and and he, uh, you know, he has a long history of working on immigration issues, uh, going all the way back to when he was a congressman during the George W. Bush administration. Yeah. He was one of kind of the key movers and shakers there, trying to make a deal happen. Um, obviously, it didn't, but uh, you know, and and he voiced, I think, you know, he's. He's maybe a, a bit naive of a politician, uh, but I think that's one of his strengths in some ways, maybe. Yeah. Um, but he did voice, you know, a, a, a sort of willingness to, you know, hope that the Republican Party will move, uh, will move, you know, in a direction that is more uh, pro-immigrant and more willing to kind of make a deal there. But, uh, you know, so I guess that there are some people out there willing to uh, willing to make, you know, willing to talk about this. Um, I think it's a long way from from anything getting done. Um, on the on the, the World Cup point too, though, I just I think we should also point out that the same equation sort of works both ways. There are actually mm-hmm. uh, a number of of people playing on the French team when they yeah. play for the championship on Sunday, who are the children of immigrants into France. So I mean, this is a this is one of those things that really works in both directions. Um, and uh, you're going to see you know you're going to see children of immigrants on the field on both sides uh, when the two teams kick off on on Sunday. Yeah, that's such a great point that you have uh, some of those that are uh, children of immigrants to the country, uh, and those are often the really great stories, uh, the really extraordinary stories of, of parents who were willing to go to a country. And we need to always remember that that doesn't just happen in America. It happens a lot in America, uh, but it does happen in places like France uh, and, and other places around the world, and that's an important part. Uh, I also have to just give a shout out to uh, our Croatian team uh, because a, a country of 3.9 million people 
getting that far on just grit and determination. Uh, I've been saying it's like the state of Utah having a World Cup team of its own uh, and producing that kind of talent is uh, is pretty amazing. We have to give them a proper shout-out. Really remarkable what they did. Yeah, back-to-back run. They went to the final last time to go to the semifinal this time with a country of that size. Yeah, that's that's more or less unprecedented. Um, and I, I think your point is exactly right, that like seeing the children of immigrants succeed in a new country look like that there's a lot of this is not just an American thing, right? Of course, this is true everywhere. There are always a lot of sort of social and cultural obstacles uh, to immigrants and to the children of immigrants and uh, a lot of difficulties that they face. But, uh, you know, when, when Kylian Mbappe is out there dominating other countries on the field for France, he's the, he's the son of, uh, of Cameroonian immigrants. Uh, it, I don't think there's anybody in France who isn't cheering for him, right, because of that. So it, I think it really does. I think sports can sometimes wash away some of these, like, sort of silly calls that we that we erect and that the, and that then sort of get you know unfortunately mixed into our politics as well um because uh you know even though the world cup is sort of this weird celebration of nationalism it also uh, when you take a, a half step back and look at it it's like oh, oh wait a minute this isn't really yeah. a celebration of nationalism at all it's about it's about just like these these brands that we feel yeah. connected to right i root for the, the flag of france but it's not because everybody on the team uh, was born in France necessarily. Yeah, for sure. Uh, great stuff. Eric Babe, always appreciate the insight. A reporter for Reason uh, and covers economic policy, trade policy, elections, and uh, always is a great thinker and a great guest for us. Uh, Eric, thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much. That wraps up hour number one of Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. We'll take a quick break for top of the hour news. Don't miss hour number two. We're going to have a focus on Ancient Christians, some amazing new book, some amazing insight for everybody. Stay with us. KSL FM Midvale, KSL Salt Lake City. Listen on any smart speaker and in your car at 102.7 FM. KSL News Radio, Utah's all-day companion for news.